As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. And welcome along once again to Pot on the Time, your offbeat guide to all the goings on at Newcastle United from The Athletic. Uh, first of all, I've got to start with an apology for that absolutely disgraceful uh, Sandro Tonali David Ginola based intro from last week's show. I have to humbly apologise to Chris Woff, George Colton, and everybody else involved in the show and say my acting was not up to standard, uh, but I did only have five minutes to prepare, and I'm not Daniel Day Lewis. So I'm sorry about that, chaps, but George. I'm sure you've simmered down by now. Yes, um, I wish I could think of a Daniel that you do more resemble, but unfortunately I've had no time to think about that either. So um, that's a that's an equally Good. poor... Strong start. That's an equally poor response. Um, yeah, I've just about got over that. Just about got over that, but someone's phone's ringing. Is that ringing. your phone, Chris, is it? Oops. Apologies, everyone. Oh, oh, Chris, the power waffles. It's still going, it's still going. Come on now. Go away. Oh, I've answered by accident. Go That's away. Eddie Howe ringing to ask him what stupid Please questions leave your name and message. Chris, yank it out of the wall. Chris, we can hear we can hear your message. Chris, this is very ineffectual. What? I mean, my my start to the show was not strong, but right, it's gone. Good start, Chris. Wow. Good strong start. I never, I never use a house phone either. I don't even know what's happened there. Well, someone's rung you on the phone, Chris. That's what's happened. It's not. I don't think it's really that deep. God, can we just oh. start this? People are going to come and see us on a live show in like a month's can time. Can we have Chris's phone on stage, please? <laughs> That'll certainly be more entertaining. I'm so sorry, Chris. Apart from your phone going off, are you all right? Uh, yes, I'm very good, thank you. Very good. Looking forward to. Football beginning again because you know there hasn't been a pre season, or at least I haven't been to any of it, so therefore I feel wonderful. Whereas George already wants the season to end, doesn't he? Before it's even begun, smug, smug, certainly shit. sounds like it. 
Uh, Premier League football returns this weekend. George has been at the Barbers to get ready, apparently. A number one on the back and sides, George? No, number three. I'm too old for a number one. Number three on the back and sides. <laughs> Lovely stuff. Yeah. Uh, and that can mean only one thing. Today is Predictions Day on Pod on the Time. Thanks to everyone who contacted us on Twitter with their seasonal forecast. We'll dig into some of those in a bit and mention some of the more interesting ones as we go. So that's coming up. But a quick word on the Lasses' final pre-season game. Derby defeat to Sunderland, unfortunately, but a stiff test before the league's Starts and money raised for a great cause in the shape of the Anthony Nolan Trust. And as we said last time, I think the uh, FAWNL Northern Premier League campaign starts on the 20th of August, so we'll get into that in a bit more detail next week. Also, before we continue, that live show we're doing at the Gosforth Civic Theatre is now completely sold out. Uh, we probably won't mention that now until a bit closer at the time, but thanks once again to everyone who's bought tickets. Uh, we're going to do some predictions and we'll be back in just a second after a quick break. I'll be mentioning it because I'm absolutely shitting myself. <laughs> Aren't we all, George? Aren't we all? George, George. I called you George there. You did, it was Aren't good. we all, George? Yeah. yeah. Aren't we all, George? Aren't we all, George? Come on, you, Maggie. And so to the fun stuff. With the season right around the corner, it's time for us to put our necks on the line with some bold predictions for the forthcoming campaign. George, you've had a little peer into the mailbag there. Is there anything interesting in there from listeners and Twitter followers? Yeah, so at Pull on the Tine is our uh, new Twitter handle. So we asked for some of your predictions. Simon, Premier League, fifth, Champions League, quarter-final, FA Cup finalists. This is all very, very specific. Wow. Carabao Cup, semi-finalists, top scorer, ESAP, player of the season, Barnes. George buys shares in TripAdvisor. You can see that happening. Chris buys a new smoking jacket and a long white-haired cat. Interesting. <laughs> uh, Graham Dougal, Premier League, fifth, Champions League, quarter-final, FA Cup, semi-final, Carabao Cup, winners, top scorer, ESAP, wow. player of the season, Barnes. William Beckinsale, after years of looking for and struggling to find three worse teams than us on the table at the start of the season, isn't it nice to just know that we probably don't have to worry about relegation this season? James D. Lewis Miley gets at least three goals as a super sub. Dan Byrne goes through a purple patch of towering headers. Dave Anderson. In an early game this season, a new signing is on the bench and post-match Eddie confirms that he can't update on the situation. Again, I think that will happen. Benny Sinker says second in the Premier League. Wow. FA Cup Final. Carabao Cup winners. Champions League semi-final. Good grief. Steve Parker says top six. Champions League knockout stage. Cup final. Sorted. Um, what else? Tonka says heading higher this season. Good cup run. We'll get out of the Champions League group stage and everyone will go mental. Skurgi says Premier League 6 Champions League knockout stage FA Cup semi League Cup quarters and then Scott Thompson with there's other contributions but Scott Thompson says George gets stuck covering at least one match in the South Coast probably on the same weekend as a rail strike and isn't at all happy about it exclamation mark I'm more confident about this than most predictions I make ha ha laughing face close brackets stuff quite a lot of uh, lofty aspirations there people think we're going to do quite well don't they chris 
They do. I mean, George read that out as if it was like a, a, a Saturday afternoon on BBC Five Live where he's summing up everything that's happened in this well, I'm, 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 all in one breath. I'm good enough to do that if, if I chose to turn my mind to it, yeah. It sounded to me like, you know, when they read the terms and conditions out at the end of an advert, and it's like, <laughs> your house may be at risk if you don't pay back the full amount, blah, 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 blah. We will steal your cat and put it in the bin. It was a bit but, like that. But in terms of the the positivity, it's it sounds like they're it. And I think, I think that's what's... Like last season, it was almost going in without that awful word expectation at all. It was just a, a, a season free of any sort of concerns. Whereas this year, I think people are more optimistic after a wonderful season last year, given the excitement of going back into the Champions League, the signings that have been made, the improvements in the players there. I think that people are just really, really uh, thrilled that, that the season is is almost upon us and can see Newcastle doing something special. So hopefully they live up to those expectations. Well, what's your prediction then, Chris? For the season, yeah, a general. I, mean, I thought, I thought, I thought, I thought we we're going to do predictions in a second. I thought we we're going to go like through different categories. Well, this is it. This is the first. This is the first right, category. Okay. I think that's the point, isn't it? Isn't this the point, Taylor? <laughs> that this is the first category. Uh, this it, this was the first category, yes. So I mean, that's what, well, I'm going to. That's that's why I then moved on to you, Chris, and said, "What's your prediction for what?" Because you know, therefore, that became the first. Should we just leave it there this week, do we think? Yeah, um, that's enough from Pod on the Tyne. We need to go and get our shit together and come back stronger, wow. I think. It's nerves ahead of the show, maybe, that's what it is. What it so is I'm getting yeah. nervous. Right, my predictions. Uh, I think Newcastle United will finish sixth in the Premier League. I think that they will reach at least one domestic cup semi-final. To inject a slight bit of negativity when I don't mean to, but but part of the reason why I was really, well, I thought that they needed to win the Carabao Cup last season was my concern. Now they're in the Champions League, is that that means that it's going to be more difficult in many ways to win a domestic cup because I think the the number of matches makes it more difficult. So although I think they can go deeper, I think that they might just lack a little bit. And then the Champions League, I think they will get through the group stage and through to the quarterfinals. Mm. Interesting. Well, based on a lot of what George was saying before the, from the mailbag, most of the listeners who got in touch said they think we'll finish fifth, which it's kind of a psychological answer, isn't it? Because it sounds really good, but it's not too ambitious, I suppose. Um, what do you think, George? You're the expert, Am so-called I? expert. What do you think the actual likely finishing position is going to be for Newcastle United? Well, so I think about this season in a bit like... Um, I mean, I've, I've, I've thought post-takeover that there's the, the sort of echoes of what happened to the club, 92-93, when they came up from the championship under Kevin Keegan, 93-94, an extraordinary season, uh, when they then finished third in their first season in the Premier League. I think there were kind of echoes of the feeling around the club, the new signings coming in, the excitement, all the rest of it. 94-95, what happened then was that they Newcastle dipped to sixth. And... There was nothing wrong with that. I was around the club at the time. It didn't feel like that was a disappointment. But then they went again and they finished second the the following season. Now, I just wonder whether this season becomes a little bit more about consolidation. And, you know, again, I'm not using that. That's a bit of a dirty word. I'm not using it to to, to sort of have that, you know, to, to, to mean it as a negative. But I think this season stretches them more because of Europe, because of the extra games, theoretically extra games. We don't know how they're doing the Cups, of course. And I think the travelling will test them. I think 
Um, you know, and again, I know there's they're only guaranteed what six games in the Champions League, but I just think that whole experience becomes different. And I also think it's a more difficult season because, like with ninety four, ninety five, Newcastle won't be the surprise package anymore. You know. As a team, as a club, as a stadium, I think we took so many people by surprise last season. I think the the aggression of the team, the way they'd gone from being a kind of counter-attacking side to a front-footed side next season, they're not going to be that different this season in terms of personnel. They're not going to be that different in terms of the way they play, and I think people will see them coming. I'm really excited. I think it's going to be a great season. I think it's going to be an exciting season, but I think it's going to feel like a bit more of a challenge. And to sort of echo what Chris said a bit, you know, I think there's been this sort of sense of lightness around the club since the takeover, and it's felt like sort of all this is a bonus, we're all happy, the club's moving in a forward direction, it's only going to get bigger and stronger, and I think all that's true, but I think there's going to be a different feeling around the club this season. Almost that age of sort of innocence and romance will have gone a little bit because Newcastle are there, they're at the top of the division, and they're kind of there to be shot at. I think fifth place would be an aston- would be an astonishing achievement in the circumstance a brilliant achievement i think i predi- i've predicted that for the athletic i think if you gave me six i would snap your hand off for that i want to feel a sense of progress everywhere i would love newcastle to get out of the group stage in the champions league i think that's quite important i think it's really important that the club get back into europe um, I'm, I know I'm not giving a prediction here as opposed to saying what I kind of want to happen because I think once they've been in Europe, gone into Europe, it's important for the players that they brought in, for the club's profile and all the rest of it that they stay there. But give me six out of the Champions League group and a long cup run. I don't want to, I don't want to tempt faith, but uh, but a cup run and I'll be I'll be delighted. What about, what about you, Taylor? Yeah, um, I have to echo that. Really, I mean, a, a nice run in one of the cups would be would be brilliant. I'd love to see us get out of the groups in the Champions League. Um, for me, I do think there'll be a bit of a back step in the league. I don't know if that can be maintained this year with the amount of fronts that we're playing on. Um, I would say sixth, fifth, or sixth, even seventh. I mean, European football it, it would be great. Um, that would be a. I think that would be a, a successful season for Newcastle United. Yeah, totally. There just hasn't been any of that. There hasn't been a pause. There hasn't been a moment for kind of reflection to opportunity to take a step back to sort of understand what we've got. It's just been such a headlong rush. And I think the team have gone way ahead of us, have gone way ahead of the club itself. And I just, yeah, I just think it's natural that um, that there should be a, a bit of that as the team grows, as, as the tr- team transforms as and all the rest of it. I, I, I think sixth, fifth would be fantastic. Fair play. So here's uh, a little bit of audio from Eddie Howe on what he thinks success looks like for Newcastle United this season. Very difficult to to give you a clear answer on that. I think it's always dependent on loads of different factors that sometimes you don't have control of. So I think I sat here last year and said improvement in the team rather than looking at league positions and the obvious things of trophies, etc. Because you can't you can never guarantee that when you're in my shoes. So it's 100% effort in every game. It's a commitment to try and win the games. It's looking for improvement in every area of the team, whether that's in or out of possession. And then hopefully if you get those improvements, you can deliver the results you want. And I know you talked earlier about you know not wanting to be negative or anything like that, but do you think this season will be more difficult, more challenging than last season? Yeah, I do, because I think we're coming from a place where, to a degree, we have a target on our back now with a lot of the other teams in the division, I think we're more well known 
in terms of our strengths. So I think we have to be better in every every area. The expectations have risen around us, so we have lots of new challenges to face and deal with. But I'm confident enough to to think that we can navigate our way through that. I believe in the the squad we have, the players we have. I believe in our style of play and I'm confident that we um, can deliver a successful season. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Uh, So, Chris, let's have a little thing about who might come to prominence this season. Is there any individual performances or players that you're looking forward to watch and you're expecting big things from? Well, I'm going to decide which one of Alexander Isak or Callum Wilson is going to be top scorer this season just to annoy George because he threw a bit of a paddy and would not accept that as the point that... uh, that uh, our producer Ollie had put onto this. So I, I am going to go that, that that Alexander Isak is going to have a wonderful season for, for Newcastle United. We, he had a wonderful second half to the season last year, but I think after having a full pre-season under his belt with the club, hopefully fully fit, I can see him getting 20 to 25 goals, Oof. some assists on top of that as That's well, and that, really, really leading the line impressively. And then I think Callum Wilson will also certainly get double figures, probably reach 15 goals or more as well, and that that's really going to fire Newcastle on. Interesting that, Chris. You'd have to say Callum Wilson probably won't be happy playing second fiddle, so he'll push Alexander Isak all the way as well, won't he? He will. I mean, that's that's what Eddie Howe wants in terms of when he said he wants two 11s. It's not only so that he's got depth in terms of he could play a one, in theory he could play a side in the Champions League and then make multiple changes for the weekend. It's also so that that competition breeds... Uh, that that success going forward and drives everyone on, make sure there's no hint of complacency. It was almost as if Callum Wilson needed Alexander Isak to come back from injury to really hit his top form again last season. Once Isak hit form again, Wilson suddenly rediscovered after having those couple of months where he had looked a shadow of the player we, we've come to be accustomed to and then he went in a ridiculously good purple patch. So I think that those two will push and drive each other on and I expect the same in midfield with the, with the increased depth Newcastle have there now and also out wide with the likes of Harvey Barnes uh, Anthony Gordon uh, Miguel Almiron Jacob Murphy all pushing each other as well uh, With Alexander Isak in mind there's a profile on him on The Athletic already from our very own Jacob Whitehead Do you remember Jacob George? Do you remember that lad who, who came in last year? Who? I think we had him on a YTS scheme Whatever happened to him? And then he's gone off backpacking around Australia for the summer. <laughs> well, okay, yeah. Yeah, God, yeah, I hadn't thought about him for a long time. Yes, but Jacob actually went, at the back end of last season, actually went to Sweden, and uh, he's he's written this fabulous piece about 
Isak playing junior football and his rise there and coaches saying that it kind of wasn't a fairy tale, that it was a lot of kind of hard work behind it. Anyway, it's 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 really detailed, but it's it's really good. So I'd urge people to to read that. That came out this week. I wasn't really being sniffy about Isak or Wilson top scorer. I was just meant as long as they're both scoring goals, I don't really care who who uh, who comes out on top. But yeah, it'd be interesting to see uh whether Isak sort of nails down that place. One of the things I loved about the back end of last season was Wilson playing angry, seeing that kind of Callum Wilson with that real fire in his belly. Um, so that'll be good. I'm sort of more interested to see what happens about the players who've kind of been the stars of pre-season, really, and we've got a few. Anthony Gordon, I think, has been one of the best players in pre-season. He looks really sharp he looks really confident after what he did with England's under 21s and he looks like he knows what what's expected of him now in an Eddie Howe team at the same time Elliot Anderson has also been fantastic it's very difficult to say that he doesn't deserve a place in the starting lineup except of course what that means about who gets left out but I'm very excited to see Gordon and then of course you've got Harvey Barnes who who then scored twice at the weekend yeah. and is looking sharp too so yeah I I mean you would bat one of those one of those players at least to 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 make a real impact I I've, I'm I'm going to sort of nail my colours to the mast and say I think Anthony Gordon I think it's his time to I think it's his time to shine for Newcastle I think Harvey Barnes is going to hit double figures for us this season I'll be honest I really do. If he plays enough games, I know there's a lot of competition in his particular position on the pitch at the minute. And obviously, Anthony Gordon can play there. Joe Linton can play there. Joe Willock interchanging at times as well when he came uh, in last season. But I think Harvey Barnes has shown, not just since he's joined us and the couple of goals in pre-season, but in previous years for Leicester as well, a real goal scorer's instinct, you know. And I think he's got it. I think he's got it. So uh, that that's going to be one of my... Uh, predictions. Yeah, he did it for Leicester in a team that we were relegated last season, so there's no reason why he can't do it in a uh why he can't do it in a good team and as you say, yeah, he looks like he's he just brings that real directness, that direct running to the team and he's he's keen to get a shot away as as often as he can, isn't he? Absolutely. Chris, you were famously poo-pooed. Uh, that's right, poo-pooed uh, Miguel Almiron's uh, chances uh, early on in pre-season last year, and he turned that round and made you look a right mug at times, didn't he? Uh, what's your uh, what's your prediction this year for a reverse curse? Yeah, who am I going to rate off yeah, so that they on. come good? Who who will everyone want me to see here? Um, well, I would I would have said I think Anthony there's an Gordon obvious answer here. I would have said Anthony Gordon until George said it there, but I am going to go for. Um, I'm going to go for Sean Longstaff. I think he's going to. I think that he's going to be out of the team to begin with, and then that. But then I think he will come back from that and be stronger for it. So that's me starting it off as a negative, but then him coming back into the team and showing that he's, he's risen to the challenge that Sandro Tonali and the legs have, have brought that's in. That's a coward's so. answer. That's not a reverse curse at all, is it? You were so sniffy about Almiron. Well, he's, not, he's never going to do that. He's never going to do that in the Premier no, League. He's, he's not no going to do that. He's never going to do that in the Premier League. So sniffy. Who would the Who would the obvious answer have been to? Would it have been Miguel Almiron again? No, no, no. I, and I, this is what I think because I think this guy is going to be the surprise of the season for us. I think Jacob Murphy. I think Jacob Murphy could be one of those ones where people think ah, he's not. He hasn't got it really at the level that we want to play at now. But I think he's such a useful player in certain situations. And he showed last year that he can score a goal uh, and he knows how to take a goal and he scored in pre-season as well. And Eddie Howe obviously sees him as a useful player in a number of different positions. So I think Jake Murphy's going to be the surprise of the year in, an, in a Miguel Almiron kind of way. 
for that stuff. Uh, if that makes you sense. You haven't reverse cursed him either. That wasn't my job. That was Chris's job. Right. I'm just saying who I think a surprise is going to so be. So you want me to say who I think is going to have a rubbish season? Yeah. Um, basically is what you want me to say. Who do I think is going to struggle? Um, I think that purely because you're making me pick someone and purely because he's currently injured, I'm going to say Joe Willock because he hasn't had a full preseason behind him and given the competition there may struggle this season compared to the wonderful form we saw towards the end of last season. So that's, so that, if you really push so him. That's Joe Willock into the England squad in September. <laughs> already, reached, already reached double figures in goals. And, yeah, uh, before Christmas. Named, named Newcastle captain. Uh, yeah, okay. Well done, Chris. That's it. Uh, George. What about contributions uh, from the local lads in midfield? We've spoke about Sean Longstaff already to give him his proper title. Uh, Lewis Miley's been mentioned as well, and we've got Elliot Anderson. Uh, it's a big year for those lads, isn't it? Yeah, I, th- I think this this it's not make or break for Elliot Anderson, but I think it's now now is his time. He recognises that. He said himself this season could um, could go both ways for him, but he's pushing for a for a starting place. That's really. You know that's really encouraging and very exciting. It's great to have this cadre. That's a good word, isn't it? This um, of local players, Geordies, who've either come through the club or understand what it's all about. Um, and yeah, I I had a chat with Sean Longstaff along with various others at the uh, Amazon Prime documentary premiere at the Townside Cinema the other the other week. And I mean, he said in quite sort of funny fashion, he was like just as worried about. Lewis Miley as he is about Sandro Tonali in terms of competition <laughs> for places saying that he could wax lyrical about Miley um, all day that he was texting him over the summer saying make sure you come back fit and firing and he's certainly done that um, yeah really good and you know again to, to to sort of add to what Chris said about uh, Sean earlier he's you know he's had a couple of weeks out in pre-season which isn't kind of ideal timing but he's been so important to the team. He was so important to the team last season. He's relishing the chance to get back in the side, push push for that place, whether he's in it or not on uh, on Saturday against Villa, Villa. We'll have to wait and see. But I would back him to, to rise again. So a tweet which sounds like it could be from 2017 here, courtesy of, and I have to be really careful when I read this Twitter handle out, uh, at JT Kunstman. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> Steady on. Um, I'm worried it's all going to go a little south this season. I can't shake the feeling that this is Newcastle and thus this is the natural order of things. <laughs> Are the feelings of dread still there in the background, gnawing away in the back of our minds, George? Well, I mean, to a certain extent, they always are. And yeah, I mean, it's like, we'll, we'll come on to talk about Newcastle start start to the season. But yeah, I'm, I'm my my... Annual, um, my my annual tradition is to look at Newcastle's fixtures when they're released and go, no, oh, that's a tough. St- oh, we're not going to win that one. Oh no, we lost that. No, we're losing that. We're losing that. Christ, then we're bang in trouble. I do that every year. I've done it every year of my life, and I saw the start to the season this time and, and thought the same. But then, of course, you take a step back and actually think, well, no, Newcastle are actually pretty mint. So. I, I mean, a little south, if that's one or two places, that that doesn't matter to me. I mean, I think that's fine. Um, in the sense, is is the whole club going to implode? Is the team going to implode? No, it's not. They're very good. They they have a great coach. They've got really good players. They've got an ownership who seem to understand 
what the team needs and what the club needs, and that, all of that has held together. Of course, an incredible, you know, brilliant uh, match-going fans and all the rest of it. I think that's the alchemy at the club at the minute. That's the precious thing. That's the thing that you don't want any of those elements to kind of splinter away, and for the manager and team to be put under too much pressure for there to be the sense that because they've gone into the Champions League, they have to do it again. You want this kind of beautiful thing where they where there's where there's real talent. But also understanding and realism about about the position that they're in, just to kind of carry on. And I think as long as they do that, then I'm not frightened at all. How about you, Chris? Is the is the dread still very much real, or are you not not in that position anymore? No, I think I think I'm more rational. I, I don't want to use the term rational because nothing to do with football is ever rational. Nothing to do with thinking about football is ever well, nothing rational. to do so with you is of- rational. <laughs> The only Russian, Fair the point, only yeah. you're, Russia, Russia bacon. Now is a very tortured bacon, bacon analogy. I'll yeah, I'll leave that. It was, yeah. it was. But I, I agree with George. I think that the the team has shown enough over the last eighteen months for supporters to have that faith in them and for that faith to be justified. Same with Eddie Howe. Same with the decision makers at the club. And I think that there is enough. Uh, strength and thought of pros, thought of uh, of what they're trying to do. Collective thought that this season, even if, as George said, they move back one or two positions in theory in the league, that's still huge in terms of the transition from where they were eighteen months ago, and it still really is progress in the grand scheme of things. So yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't see a collapse in that in that terms. It may not be that they finish fourth again, but I don't see a collapse. Just yeah, just very very briefly to try and sort of say what I was trying to get at earlier I think there will be like a different atmosphere around the team this season I'm not saying internally but there may be a little bit in the stadium perhaps have we got used to seeing Newcastle be good and win does that slightly change the match day atmosphere at St James's I don't know I'm not saying it will um, I think the atmosphere will be incredible on Saturday and certainly when the Champions League games come around I think the atmosphere will be brilliant but you know is the atmosphere different when Newcastle travel to other clubs because there is that expectation of what they're going to do will people be looking at Newcastle expecting them to be good and expect and does that change how I don't know is there just that little change around the whole club that that sort of makes it feel a bit different that makes I mean I felt tense when Newcastle were in a relegation battle, I felt tense when Newcastle were getting to to Wembley last season. When that was up in you know when when Newcastle were in the semi final, but that was a really positive sort of tension. And I felt a bit of tension towards the end of the season when it was fourth you know fourth place or not. But it I've, we've not really had that sort of tension of of sort of being expected to produce. Do we have that this season? I don't know. I'm sort of floating all those things out there. And does it sort of just change the mood music around the club a bit? I don't know. I don't know. I'm fascinated about that. I think yeah. that's the I think that's the really sort of interesting thing. Absolutely. Uh, right, a couple of little quick fire predictions before we carry on. Um Chris, what about this one? George to cry before Christmas. What do we reckon? Oh god, yeah, before Christmas. Yeah, I mean I, I was thinking before I the mean, end of this the, podcast, probably, let's be honest. I mean the the yeah, the the First thought I had was that he will definitely cry when the Champions League music plays 100%. inside St James's Park before nah. that first game. So there's that one. Maybe, maybe even before then. Maybe if 
Yeah, I think I think uh, if there's a 91st minute winner early in the season, I think that George will be weeping. Tell you what, he'll de- he's definitely going to cry when he has to pay that bar bill off at the uh, Gosford Civic Theatre in October. <laughs> he'll definitely cry then. Which, of course, we're not mentioning, so let's move on. Um, I'm not going to cry at the Champions League music. I'm not that... I mean, it's great It's great being in the Champions League, but it's, it's just a competition. I'm not going to cry at that. I'm not like... I'm not massive on the Champions League. And it's... It, if they got to the Champions League final, I would cry. If they get to a final of anything, they'll cry. 91st minute winner, yeah, I'll cry. Dan Byrne scores, I'll cry. See somebody I recognise in the crowd, I'll cry. Um, Jason Tindall gets a yellow card for shit housing, I'll cry. I'll cry at most things, not not the Champions League mu- music. No. Right, OK. Uh, how about this one then, George? Uh, Alexander Isaac goals versus Joe Linton yellow cards. Who wins? <laughs> That's quite. That's, that's good, isn't it? That's quite a good. It's a good one. competition, that. Well, Chris has already said that Isaac is going to score twenty goals or 25, 20 to twenty-five goals. I hope Joe Linton does not beat that because he'll because he's he's not going to play across all competitions. He's not. Though, he's, he's, it's across all. He's not going to play very much. So I'm going to say Isaac goals, but I, that's just what I hope. I think. I think Joe Linton will play more games than anybody else this season just down to his versatility and the fact that he can move around the pitch a little bit. I genuinely think he's, that that lad is going to be a big part of our team this year. So important. He's such a good... But then, you know, you go through the whole team and look at important players. Yeah. I love the fact that they all have those little relationships with each other, both off the pitch, but also crucially important on it. You know, so so Bruno has been absolutely fantastic for Jalinton, but Jalinton's also been brilliant for Bruno, protecting him. I mean, it's like I watch him sometimes... When he's like flying towards an opposition player, it's like it's ter- it must be terrifying. He's like so big and so strong and physical, but he's just he's good. What are you laughing at? Just the, the sort of it was almost like infatuation when you were speaking. <laughs> he's just so, he's big. so big and so. I am infatuated when he's, when he's running towards his body's glistening in the midday sun. <laughs> My God, I am. <laughs> what an Adonis he is. <laughs> There's fields Settle of down, fields of wheat. That's the um, one. Topless, as he. Um, yeah, well, I am. I am infatuated with this team. I don't mind saying that. Um, Chris George alluded to it a few moments ago. First Newcastle employee to fall foul of new anti shit housing rules, uh, and we can't limit that to just players. Of course, it's got to be Tyndall, hasn't it? Or Jamal Lascelles getting involved in a throw-in <laughs> of which he has no business. I, I think probably Jason Tyndall because I don't know if supporters really have paid too much attention to this other sort of subtle rule change as well because now Tyndall and Howe aren't allowed to be in the technical area together during matches they're not allowed to be stood both and given instructions at the same time so they're going to have to almost interchange when they're doing that and I can't see Jason Tyndall in the ha- that- if, if there's a controversial decision sitting on the bench and not rushing forward to give his view on things I just love the idea of Howe saying about the 75th minute right Jason go and call their physio prick I'll see you in five <laughs> Just, just send him out for a bit of that, and then bring him back in, and get, then out. Get, 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 Nick, Nick, get Nick Pope to lie down. Get him to lie down. <laughs> We're laughing. I can't wait to see all this stuff again. I mean, you know, all. It, I mean, we, we were guilty of it as much as anybody because. You know, I think the sort of shit housing stuff was kind of overplayed. We loved it. The reason we loved it is because we've seen Newcastle get rolled over yeah. so many times uh, by other teams. You know, get told that our fans are great and St James's Park. What a great day out that is! But thanks for the three points. Newcastle played within the rules. They are a really good team. They're an attacking team. They're a front-footed team. They want to win, and they'll do what they can to win. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. I mean, the whole thing about the dugout feels like. You know, oh, sorry, the technical area feels 
pretty pointless to me. Hal was asked about it at the weekend. He said that they'll sort of take it in turns because you know he doesn't just want players listening to his voice throughout the whole match. There needs to be a bit of difference, so they'll just you know they'll kind of take it in turns. And I, I do think it's a bit unfair that it feels like Newcastle have been singled out in some of the coverage with pic- yeah. pictures of the two of them and stuff like that. Most of the time they're just yep. standing there talking. I'm not saying that there aren't times when. Uh, you know, Jason Tyndall is looking over to see what the other bench are doing and who's who's making a change and a word in the fourth official's ear. But you know, all teams do it, all clubs do it. Newcastle aren't special cases; they were just really good last season. And if you are unsure of what those rule changes are, Phil Buckingham on the Athletic has written a guide, so check that out. Uh, with the Athletic in mind as well, get yourselves over to theathletic.com forward slash Newcastle Pod to sign up and pay just one ninety nine a month for twelve months. We'll be back in just a moment to chat about that Villa game coming up on Saturday. This episode is supported by Season 3 of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League 2 after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League 1? FX is Welcome to Wrexham. Catch all new episodes Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Is George breaking up for everyone else and delaying? No, you've been me? breaking up and delaying for me. Oh. Right, so maybe it's just my end. Is this because somebody phoned you earlier on and now the internet's clogged up because you're on dial-up? Is that what's Do 1471, I want to know who it was. <laughs> Does anybody use a landline these days? Well, it's just it's reading out the number, so I think it's... I think it's yeah, but that's Chris, that's the whole point of 1471. They read the number out, that's what that is. Yeah, well, it was. It said all one well, read the whole thing or out. something, and then it was going on. And so right, well, okay. I'm not sure why I asked you to do that then, really. Yeah, fair enough. But you did it, you did it, so, yeah, fair enough. It was Miguel Almiron, wasn't it? That's who it was. <laughs> So the Premier League is back and with statistically the toughest opening five games of any team, Newcastle United welcome nearly boss Unai Emery and his villains to St James's Park for a tanked up tops off Saturday night scrap Chris Woff. After City and Arsenal might be the team that Newcastle probably fancied facing the least, isn't it, on that first opening fixture? Well, given the reversal in at the at Villa Park in, at Naples when I was there and Newcastle really were the one time last season I thought they were thoroughly outplayed basically for the full match that was that was that one occasion so it'll be fascinating to see how Newcastle respond to that given it's it's St James's Park it's a very different match in that sense regardless of the fact that it's it's the start of a new season both clubs have have brought in new signings I mean they met each other in in pre-season as well and Eddie Howe played an unusual system 
uh, which whether that was to try and keep things under wraps before this match, whether that was just to test things out. It was interesting, almost like as a sort of psychological battle between him and Unai Emery, a sort of tactical battle. But yes, it's a, it's a, it's a very tough opening fixture for Newcastle. But I also think Aston Villa will be looking at it and thinking, where's the one place we don't want to go on the opening day of the season? It's St. James's Park, half five kickoff mm, on a Saturday. Yeah. Uh, and so for that reason, I, I do think that, that, that Newcastle have a very good opportunity in this match, despite the quality of the opposition. But it certainly wasn't a one-off, was it, George, when they beat us? They, they definitely got better and better as the season went on and they've definitely progressed. Oh, for sure, yeah. I mean, Unai Emery, uh, obviously, uh, he, he and Eddie Howe got to the final two in the interview for the uh, for the Newcastle job post-takeover. Uh, I think, you know... That decision, if that's the right, if that right word, looked kind of smarter with time. He's done a brilliant job at Villa. I mean, they look, they look really, really good. They look, um, they look like they know what they're doing. I thought the same in America when Newcastle played them over there. One thing, and so I do think it's a tough start. But again, yes, I would absolutely agree with what Chris says. Um, statistically, Newcastle might have the toughest start to the season, but nobody will be looking at Newcastle during that start, thinking that's a walkover for them, quite the opposite. And I would point one other thing out, which is that, yes, Newcastle beat Nottingham Forest on the opening day last time, but they then went, what, three, four, uh, five, six games, Chris, without a win in the league? They won one of the first seven, yes, which was Nottingham Forest. So, so... Having a tough start, uh, you know, and they played they played City in that time, played really well against Man City. Um, they went to Liverpool and lost that game in a heartbreaking fashion. But they had a tough start last time well, and they responded well from it. So it's not, you know, it, I, I'm not like, despite what I said earlier about sort of, you know, that tradition of looking at looking at matches and thinking that's tough. I mean, I'd, I'd, I have... I have sort of changed a bit. I, I I do think those games are an opportunity. I think Man City playing them early is a decent time to play them. Famous last words, of course. But yeah, so I, I look at that Villa game as a... You, but I think you always look at the first game, don't you, as a scene setter. You sort of want to kind of get some sort of sense of what's going to happen next. And yeah, maybe we will. Maybe we'll get a sense of where Newcastle are. And Chris Villa have had a decent summer as well, haven't they? They've they've made a few acquisitions. Musa Diaby, a familiar name to Newcastle United transfer junkies as well. Uh, how have they improved their squad? Not just to Newcastle United transfer junkies, to Newcastle United hierarchy. Someone they have watched for a long while. And last summer, there was genuine interest there, albeit they realised that it was just too expensive a deal for them to do at that point and maybe Musa Diaby wasn't quite sold on the, the project for want of a better term at that stage he just wasn't attainable but he is someone who scores goals and, and, and provides assists from out wide very much in sort of the Harvey Barnes style of, of, of being able to to add those that crucial end product so Villa have strengthened I think they've added physicality and athleticism in the way that Newcastle have over the course of last year as well and therefore I think that it will be difficult I thought that what was the what was stark between Newcastle and Villa in April was it was the one time I thought Newcastle were maybe bullied a bit not only without outplayed they were also yeah. physically bullied certainly in the middle of the park and Villa have only strengthened that area further and they have players who are now fully fit as well when they lost them for large parts uh, of last season so I do think it, it will be a physical as well as a tactical challenge for Newcastle on Saturday and there are those that, that added uh, goal threat of Musa Diaby just makes them uh, even more dangerous So a big injury blow though as well for Villa Chris with Wendy out long term with a knee ligament injury it could be a psychological factor for them losing one of their best players 
It certainly could be. I mean, towards the end of last season, he'd really, really hit form for Villa. He seemed to be crucial to what Unai Emery was trying to do. By all accounts, in pre-season, he was looking very good as well. And so to lose uh, the crucial playmaker at this stage is, is, is certainly a blow, particularly when Jacob Ramsey, another one of their attacking players, is out injured. Moreno, Dendonka, they're also injured. Um, so I think that in attack, that will be a blow. They're going to have to find a way to come back from that. But given what we've already said with the likes of Mr. Diaby and other players, they have a lot of strength and depth now in a similar way to Newcastle do. So it's about how quickly they can react to, to that blow. Absolutely. They are a strong team, George, but at least the opening fixture of the Premier League season is at home at St. James's Park in a oh, sellout crowd. Yes, 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 yes. And it'll be, yeah, it will be a fantastic atmosphere again. Full of flags, full of noise, full of booze, full of um, people queuing outside because they haven't worked out how to use their digital season ticket. Um, <laughs> so, in fact, the ground will only be one third full at kickoff, and um, Villa will therefore win three. Oh no, hang on, I'm contradicting myself here, aren't I? Um, no, it'll be great. I'm sure. Yes, hopefully everyone gets there early and can get in, and um, it'll be really good. Yeah. Absolutely, and Eddie Howe's been tight-lipped as usual about his preferred lineup, uh, as he has about incoming transfers. So, who do we think will make his starting eleven on Saturday? We've had a message in from a fella called Jacob Whitehead. Who? Uh, exactly, no idea who he is. Um, his eleven to face Villa is Nick Pope, Kieran Trippier, Fabian Shea, Sven Botman, Dan Byrne, a midfield of Bruno Guimaraes, uh, Sandro Tonali, and Sean Longstaff, and a front three of Gordon, Isaac, and Joe Linton. Interesting, Chris. What do we think? Yeah, I mean, this, I think that's Jacob's uh, 11 that he would select rather than necessarily the 11 he thinks Howe would select. Yeah. And I'm going to give my response to that and what my 11 would be again, and then we're going to talk about what Eddie Howe's may be. The Joe Linton one's interesting in that he did do very well uh, in the front three towards the end of last season, but I think, given what I mentioned earlier and given what I saw at Villa Park in April, I think he'll want Joe Linton in midfield to yeah. add a bit of physicality against this uh, Villa side. So I would have, obviously, Pope in goal now that he seems to be fully fit. Trippier, I'm going to err on the side of caution with Fabian Scher and say that he is, because he isn't fully fit, I wouldn't play him. And then I would move Botman across the right-sided centre-back, bring Dan Byrne in and play Matt Target against his former club. Mm, I would then start Elliot Anderson after his wonderful pre-season. Wow. I would bring him in ahead of Sandro Tonali, just for now, give him a bit of time to get into the team, alongside Bruno Gimaraes and Joe Linton. And then I would pick Harvey Barnes just ahead of Anthony Gordon. I don't think Eddie Howe will. I think he will go for Gordon yeah. just because he's been here for longer. But Barnes' goal threat, although very harsh on Anthony Gordon, I would play him. Uh, then on the other side, I'd have Miguel Almiron. And actually... Say again. Sorry, sorry, Chris, say again. Almiron on the right-hand okay, side, yes. Just, Miguel Almiron, yes, will start yeah. the season in my side. Good. And actually, very controversially through the middle, and this would not be the, probably the strikeout select the week after, but given what I saw at Villa Park as well, I thought Alexander Isak was bullied a little bit and I would actually play Callum Wilson Ooh. from the start because I thought that Newcastle lacked a bit of physicality and a focal point through the middle. So purely based on what I saw at Villa Park, I would actually start Callum Wilson. Massive shout. Massive shout. George, how about you? I'm trying to work this out. Right, so this is like it's not our predicted elevens. It's 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 our elevens of what we would do. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And so Chris Chris is assuming sort of more knowledge about Fabian Shah's injury than we have. I mean, I I'm sort of intrigued about, but you just wouldn't risk him. Is that what you're saying? 
Yeah, I wouldn't. Well, he, he also hasn't played the last couple of weeks. I don't. I, I, even if physically he may be ready in terms of his injury isn't there, I don't think in terms of that lack of potential match fitness, I think he might need a little bit longer to come back to it in training. That's just my. I, I mean, I expect that he will start. I think Fabian Cher probably will start on Saturday. I am the most cautious person in the world, so that's why I'm going for that. So you think he will start, but you wouldn't start him? Yes. Wow. I'm trying to. I'm trying to get my head around. I, I spent this four years. Try, so I spent five years trying to get my head around Chris <laughs> Wolf, and I'm no closer to to working it out. Okay. I mean, so I think it will be the traditional back five. I have a couple of positions that I'm just not sure what I think Eddie Howe will do. But I'm saying Tanali on the right. I'm saying Bruno in the middle. Is this is this what you think Howe will do? Is this what you would do? It's a bit of both. It's my it's my prediction and. Would I do it? What is it? Is it my prediction as what? Well? I don't know. It's a bit of in betweeny. It's a bit in betweeny. <laughs> um, this is so vague. <laughs> my injury concern is more. I'm, I'm sort of wondering whether Sean Longstaff's injury that he's had, particularly during the American leg of preseason, means that he doesn't start in the the first game, and then he plays Tanali, who has of course played throughout. But the other way of looking at that, of course, is does he just bring that new signing straight in? The re- I, I don't think Barnes starts, and I think it's a bit unfair, albeit he looked really kind of good against Villarreal and scored those goals. Does he come? I think I think it's it's Anthony Gordon's time. So yeah, am I predicting something, or am I saying this is what I would do? I don't really know. But it's Almiron on the right, Isak through the middle, and it's Gordon on the left. I can see what you're saying about Callum Wilson, but I think you're overthinking it. I think you go with what you think is that may well be the I case. Think you go with what you think is your strongest team at home. I think, and I think, I think Isak's in it at the moment. What about you, Taylor? Any big changes to anything that we would? My starting eleven would be Pope, Trippier, Cher, Botman, Byrne, Gimaraes, Tenali, Joe Linton, Gordon, Isak, and Almiron. That's the same as me. Um, I've got a feeling Jamal Lascelles might play instead of Fabian Scher and I think Botman will start and Byrne will play left back I don't think Tenali will will play um, I don't think he'll start I think he'll he'll be on the bench and he'll probably come on so I think Gamaraya shall sit in in front of the back four and then I think you'll have Elliot Anderson will start and I think Joe Linton will play in the midfield for that physicality as well and then I think you will see uh, Anthony Gordon Isaac and Miggy Almiron. I think that front three kind of picks itself at the moment. Do you not leave a player out there? No. No, he no. didn't. Okay. He picked, he picked. Yeah, fair enough. No. I was going to, well, I was just going to suggest you could maybe pick 12. I mean, you've got a bigger chance of winning if you did that. Well, maybe it's Jamal Lascelles on throw ins. Yeah, okay. <laughs> just, just for the crack. Yeah. But yeah, what I would pick and what I think will be the starting eleven are two totally different. Well, things, I, mean, but, I do, yeah. I do think the Elliot Anderson one is 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 really fascinating. I do think there were. I mean, I don't think we've been we've had this kind of conversation yet, have we? Around Newcastle for a long time, I think it's felt like really most weeks the first eleven sort of picks itself with the odd bit of discussion. But I think this time there are some real dilemmas: Barnes, Gordon, Longstaff, Tenali, Elliot Anderson. Those are all kind of conversations to be had, and I'm. Um, fascinated Ollie is saying that we're going on too long but I think this is all legitimate I think this is a legitimate conversation I want to talk about it for another 25 minutes <laughs> well unfortunately we can't George we've run out of time but we do have another show coming up on Monday so we can get stuck into that a bit more then 
Just time quickly to mention the Amazon We Are Newcastle documentary. Is that new? We Are Newcastle? We Are Newcastle United, George? We Are Newcastle United, yeah. We Are Newcastle United, which is coming out tomorrow. Uh, an interesting one, this. Early reports suggesting it's maybe not as revelatory as uh, as what maybe fans thought it could be. So I went to the premiere at the Tyneside uh, last week. We weren't allowed to kind of review it or, or kind of discuss it. There was an embargo on it. The first episode comes out this week. Jacob has also seen the first two episodes and has written a piece uh, about that and sort of what it tells us. I'm going to be fascinated to know what what you both think of it, and we'll chat about it on on Monday. I think Newcastle fans will lap it up. I don't think as a sort of work of art, if that's the right thing, or a work of drama, it competes with some of the sort of really incredible sports documentaries we've seen over the last... Uh, sort of few years because I just don't think the drama was really there last season I mean yes there was the drama of do they get into the top four or five but as I sort of said earlier you know I don't think there's you know I think whatever Newcastle did last season it would have felt good there's a bit of Wembley drama of course but that side of it feels a bit confected they try to make a drama of Newcastle shirt sponsor I think that's a bit difficult to kind of do there's some really lovely stuff that you see surrounding the players behind the scenes we know that Newcastle's players are a great bunch and really good and there's some really nice things in there there's some kind of uh, interesting clips where you see Newcastle's directors on a away day at Annick Castle that's kind of interesting the one thing that disappoints me though I will say the first episode it's very Saudi the opening shot is Riyadh and there's a lot of uh, a lot of conversations with the chairman that's obviously to be welcomed in the sense that he hasn't talked a lot but my my sort of disappointment i think is that, that when the wealth of pif is brought up and when that's then brought up in relation to human rights and sports washing and controversy that they use sort of archive clips of Amanda Staveley talking about it and then it goes back to fans to actually talk about sports washing and I think that's a real I think that's a real shame I think we saw obviously a lot of that when the takeover happened and in the intervening time that you know it's very controlled this documentary and I think you'll you you know you'll get to sort of see that when you watch it that they had a chance to put those questions to the chairman, who was also the governor of PIF, to talk about sports washing. Maybe they did, and they decided to take it out. You know, maybe Newcastle decided it for it to come out. But I think that's an opportunity lost. I'm a bit disappointed that it was left to Newcastle fans to to sort of discuss that topic amongst themselves. Right, well, I'm very aware of the fact that we've pushed for time now, and Ollie's probably ate his hat while we've been sat going through that. So let's finish things off. Thanks very much, Chris, uh, for your time. Good to have you. You're very welcome. Cannot wait for the kickoff. Absolutely. And thanks a lot, George, as well. Yeah, a bit of a hapless beginning, I felt, to the show. Have we brought it around or not? I'm not sure. And then a shitty middle, and then a really poor end. <laughs> yeah, things can, things can only get better. Tough start to the season, Taylor. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Don't think we're quite at full match fitness yet, are we? Uh, anyway, thanks to all of you lot out there for listening. This has been Pod on the Time. We'll be back in your ears on Monday. Take care of yourselves and enjoy that first Premier League fixture against Villa on Saturday. Take care. Bye-bye.
The Athletic.